Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movies Be Like podcast. I'm Miranda. And I'm... I'm... Ryan. And today, we're going to be discussing... Monty Python Moves. Movie films. We're going to be talking about uh, Monty Python movies, such as... The Holy Grail, Life Life of Brian, and and The Meaning Meaning of, of Meaning of Life. Those three films, and those three films only, because they didn't make any other ones. Every sperm is sacred, every sperm is great. I don't remember the tune. That's all anyway, I from the lyrics. So yeah, we're going to be talking about those three The iconic movies. UK comedy group consisting of... Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go, here Graham, come the names. Graham Chapman, John Cleese... Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle. Or Gilliam, we don't know. Yeah, or Gilliam, we don't know. Terry Jones, Michael Palin. That's all of them. There's six. Six. Four of them are, are still around. Two of them have sadly passed away. Terry Jones passed away last year, and Graham Chapman passed away in 89. Yeah, he passed away from cancer in 1989. But, tonsil cancer. Yes. Specifically. It's and sad. perhaps spinal cancer too. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a shit. Poor man, dude. Well, anyway, um, Jones and Palin met at Oxford University, and then Chapman and Cleese met at Cambridge University, and then a year later, Eric Idle went to Cambridge University and met them, and then uh, a few years later, Cleese went to New York and met Gilliam or Gilliam. In New York City. And then along the way, all the six of them met up, and then they made this crazy kind of humor. Mm-hmm. And they created the show Monty Python's Flying Circus in 1969, which is on BBC. And they had 45 episodes. On Netflix, if they it are on still Netflix. is right now. At the time of this recording, they are on Netflix. Yes. And they are known for pushing many boundaries. Um... And they just formed a whole new kind of comedy and coined the Python-esque term that is used to describe other films like The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. It's Python-esque qualities. They're incredibly influential in the realm of comedy and TV TV shows and, you know, how they're film. I don't know what I'm saying. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. But they're highly influential. <laughs> they have been, like, they've been coined... As to or, or what the Beatles did to music, what they did to I've heard TV that. comedy. Yeah. Yes. It's Which true. is a huge comparison. Well, yes. Who doesn't know the Beatles? Am I right? My mom. Just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> That'd be so unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so, Holy Grail. Holy Grail came out in 1975. 1975. It's their first film. First feature film. They had been doing the show for a bit. Bit. For a bit. <laughs> this is directed by two of the members, Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. Both the Terrys. Um, Terry Bowberry. Yeah. Michael Palin actually came up with the original idea of King Arthur and Patsy, his like little person behind coconut him. Coconut horse. Clapping the coconuts together horse clopping and that eventually became like the original idea for the entire film like this small little insignificant joke it's like what if 
King Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like something absurd and stupid like that is exactly where it would come from. Um, yes. Yeah. So, talking about budget here, their initial budget was like 200,000 pounds, which is $282,000 back in 1975. Wow. Just for inflation, that's roughly like 1.4 mil today. That's, that's still, still not that much. Yeah, it's still a low budget film. That's it was a very low, small amount. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of people um, help invest in the film. Some of them you might know, like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and Elton John. How did they, how are they connected to so many like famous bands and like musicians? They got a lot of uh, support from them. I think they were getting. Something about in the seventies they weren't making a lot of money or something, and they all the musicians loved their sense of humor. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, I would have too if I was a musician I mean, in the seventies. You 70s. do, and you're a musician, so it makes sense. <laughs> I have a lot in common. <laughs> um, I guess I just have a really random list of here of facts and things I want to talk about. But uh, but uh, yes, you know, in the castles in the background, like where they're writing to. What part? I feel like there's a lot of parts. Oh, I know where they're riding. The, where they're riding in the countryside, and they're like, "Oh, let's go to the Knights of the Round Table, the Camelot House of Camelot over there, right? Where the Knights of the Round Table." Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, but don't they not end up going? Yeah, in? they don't go, but like, you know, they stood there and saw a castle in the distance. Yes. Some of them were just cardboard cutouts because they couldn't actually. That's funny. They couldn't actually go to the castles because Scotland wouldn't let them do that. They wouldn't give them the permits to film on those castles, which was only like weeks away from shooting because they had it all plotted out to go to those places, but they just couldn't. So they used mm. cardboard cutouts. Well, I didn't notice. So they did it very well. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like saying any more fun facts until I'd ask you, what was uh, some of your favorite standout moments from the film, Miranda? Um, I feel like we're just jumping right into it without actually saying much. I get about it, it. I get it. Um, let me think. Well, okay, this is like my third time watching it, and the first yeah. time I watched it, I liked it. Second time I watched it, it was like four years later, and it was in a big theater of people who loved it, so it was really enjoyable. This time watching was probably the least enjoyable, but just just because I remembered all the jokes. Mm -hmm. So when you remember all the jokes and you hear them again and you see them coming. The whole point of their humor is that it's unexpected and everything. It wasn't as enjoyable to watch, but I still appreciate it for what it is. I obviously. agree. Obviously, um, I feel like if it's you just not a very rewatchable film. I guess if you haven't watched it in a long time and you feel like you've you don't forgotten remember, a lot of it. Yeah, you don't remember a lot of the jokes, and mm -hmm. it, it, that'd be a good time to watch it, but not like within a year. There's so many references I can make to this film that my brain is kind of overwhelmed right now. Like, um, <laughs> one that I like is the one... <sighs> I'm bad with names when it comes to Monty Python, but I, th I think it's the guy... Which one? We have a, we have a, <laughs> a list of all of their faces with their names so we don't mix it up and forget. Michael Palin. Yeah. When Michael Palin goes to that house with all the girls in it, Oh, Zoot? And, yeah, and then um, 
Oh, dirty, rotten zoot. And then you just think, she's like, oh, dirty, naughty zoot. Zoot. And she just keeps saying zoot. I don't know why. And I then the, and really they're like, it. what did they say about the scene being cut? Like, <laughs> is this done yet? <laughs> no, she looks at the camera and she's like, do you think this is a good scene? I really hope it is. They were considering cutting it or something like that. <laughs> um, that kind of fourth wall break stuff is great. I think that's the only time it happens, too, in the whole film. A fourth wall break? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then they show, like, a group of people saying, get on with it, or something. And then, then the sorcerer from the next scene is... Oh. The sorcerer <laughs> from the next scene is also like, get on with it! Yeah. Yeah. It shows all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun fact about that scene. John Cleese. You know how he's standing on, like, this pinnacle? This tall rock? Far away from them all, and he's just, like, doing this? shooting fireballs everywhere. Well, he almost... He could have really died. He could have really died if he fell off Couldn't that Couldn't we all? I guess. <laughs> if we just go to a tall rock and fall off, I mean, maybe. But it was very windy, and he was very scared <laughs> of filming that scene. And between takes, he would just like he did it. hunker down. He did it. So he didn't fall. Another part I really like is just when they throw all the plastic animals off the roof. But they're supposed to be real animals. Mm-hmm. They're telling them to leave, so they just start throwing animals down at them. But they're all like fake. And they threw obviously. like a, a huge cow, and it crushed one of the people. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that was actually like a real tactic castles like that used back in the medieval times um, to discourage oh. people from pillaging their... They'd throw their they'd animals throw at their them? Fo- they'd throw like food and like scraps and stuff. Oh, well, so food. So not yeah. animals. Maybe not animals. Yeah. Okay, well I mean, now well, that, that's be. different. Well, it makes sense to throw... It's like when, the classic cartoon thing when someone sucks in a show, you throw tomatoes at them. Yeah. It's like that. Just food. They throw food at people to make them go away because they don't like them. The amount of times... If it was animals, then I'd be shocked. Yeah. Well, the amount of times... Well, animals were used in that scene, too. But the amount of times there was, like, a cat being stepped on or used as, like, a violent comedic joke. When? There, In the scene where um, all the Knights of Camelot are dancing in that same dancing number, um, they're, like... The park goes by the so co- fast. Yeah, I know. They're in the common room where all the tables are, and they step on a cat. like a. I don't remember goes, that. I don't remember that. You don't? I When I first watched it, I was like, oh! And there's another time where, um, like, a poor woman was, like, smashing a cat against the side of a, a building or something. It was going, meow. God, I probably blocked that out. I hate it when people yeah. use cats as Me punching too. bags in movies. <laughs> um, Nothing is safe <laughs> in their movies. Anything can be made. Another up. good gag in the film is just when, um, during the scene where that blonde, pale boy is supposed to like get married and he has to stay in his tower, and then his dad leaves him and like mm-hmm. tells the two guards like. Make sure he doesn't leave, and then he tries to leave, and then they just don't understand what he's mm-hmm. saying. So he keeps having to try, re- yeah, reword his sentence, and they just keep misinterpreting. It. It's funny. Anyway, I like how he just shoots the arrow out out of the window, just like yeah, <laughs> he just really fast and looks yeah. back at them, and they don't, and they're just smiling at him. <laughs> they don't even do anything. They don't care. It's so funny. 
I mean, the classic is the uh, Black Knight scene. I mean, I, I knew about that for years before I even watched the film. keep falling off? Yeah. yeah. That's John Cleese in the Black Knight suit. Um, Just a flesh wound. Yeah, it is, but a flesh wound. So every person in the film who was wearing armor was actually wearing wool knitted to look like armor and painted like metal, metallic gray. Except for Graham, who was King Arthur. Um, he actually had real armor on, but everyone else had wool for some reason. And this led them to hate the conditions of where they were shooting in Scotland because it was cold and it was wet. And it made their clothing weigh even more than they wanted yeah. it to. And the ho- apparently the hotel they were staying in, uh, the water heater couldn't give enough water for all of them to take hot showers when they got back from filming. So imagine... Whichever one of them was in, like, the mud. Yeah. Uh, in that one mud scene where he's just, like, packing it into the ground and talking, like, political beliefs. Mm-hmm. And getting back to your hotel and really you can't take a shower. Can't take a hot shower. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, apparently <laughs> in the uh, Bring Out Your Dead plague yeah. uh, scene... Michael Palin was on the ground and he was scourging through the mud, which was actual mud filled with like pig poop and like other just disgusting crap. And his character's eating the mud too. So in the mud, they put like chocolate cake for him to eat. So it looked like he wasn't actually eating mud and pig poop, but he couldn't tell the difference. And after seven takes, he like lost it and flipped out on everyone. But then after he flipped out, John Cleese just, like, clapped and gave him an applause for it. <laughs> I mean, I'd be super pissed if God. I had to go take seven takes of going through mud filled with poop. And that's how we handle conflict in Monty Python. Get mad about it? And we applaud. <laughs> so, the film has all the different kinds of comedy. I'll just list a few. I mean, it, it's great. It has slapstick puns, sexual sexual innuendos, breaking the fourth wall, absurdity, political humor, religious blasphemy, etc. I mean, the ending is just crazy because it's not even really an ending. It all just happens. And it's just one big, like, LARPing session with all of these people. And an innocent man was killed. Do you know what LARPing is? Yeah. Yeah. Did someone really die? Yeah, I mean... Not in real life, but in the film. Oh. Remember <laughs> the phrase that? No, the historian guy. The ending, I just don't understand. Why does it... Who, like... Did what, Did the police come or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's supposed to... It still th- throws me through a loop every time I try and understand it, but I think it's... Um, I think it's one big LARPing session. But it doesn't make sense because other people die and there's sorcerers and... Oh, yeah. that's interesting. And you remember that there's the a famous historian uh, giving like a speech of about some ancient ruin that he's standing yeah. in. And he gets slit through his throat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know which character kills him. I don't even know. Who does that? It's not important. It's a, What's important though is that that set off a string of events for the final arrest at the end. And he honestly didn't oh. do anything. King Arthur, 
Graham Chapman didn't do anything. He didn't kill any of these people. They just happened to die in his presence. I mean, I guess except for the guy in the black armor. I've never tried to connect the dots in this film, so yeah. now I understand. Yeah. Well, all right. Mm -hmm. And then he gets arrested. He didn't really do anything. Well, okay. Yeah. Cool. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Well. All right. Now we're going to move on to Life of Brian. Life of Brian came out in 1979. It was directed by someone. It's probably the same people. Probably Terry. Terry. And Terry. <laughs> Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. Yeah. Um, it was filmed in Tunisia, which is in North Africa. Um, and so many, many locals in the area... Uh, were extras in the film. Um, two days before shooting, though, um, EMI Films canceled the financing for their film because they, they were afraid that it would be too controversial. Really? Yes. So they just canceled financing. But luckily, my favorite Beatle <gasps> saved the day. George Harrison came in and was like, you know, I'm a Beatle. I have $4 million lying around. Do you guys want it? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. So then he made his own production company called Handmade Films so that he could make it official. And so George Harrison saved the movie. And it's merely because he read the script and was like, I want to see it made. So here's all my money. And then he's in it for like 15 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah, that's right. He like, is, he's a Roman guard, right? Yeah. For, no, or, no, he's not. I forget. But he's just like in the background in one scene. You can just find it on YouTube. Someone uploaded it and was like with like an arrow pointing at him. Because mm -hmm. it's hard to pick him out in the scene. But anyway, Terry Jones liked to call it the most expensive movie ticket of all time. For George Harrison specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how the movie was made. I can't believe a because Beatle of saved George it. Harrison. A Beatle. George Harrison. This is my favorite out of the three, too. So. Yeah, I mean... Thank you, George Harrison. Yeah, it's definitely mine, too. Yeah. I think it goes... Life of Brian, Holy Grail, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Meaning of Life. Same. And I think it's like that for all of the Monty Python people, too. Like, they, their least favorite is Meaning of Life. And they all say... Uh, life of Brian's their favorite, so I'm just assuming Holy Grail's in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, in Tunisia, there was a TV miniseries, miniseries called Jesus of Nazareth that was being filmed there in 1977. So when they got there, they got to use a lot of... Um, they got to borrow a lot of costumes and props for their movie. So they saved a lot of money through doing that. Good. And um, Terry, Terry Gilliam, or Gilliam... Uh, he spent as much detail on the set as possible because he said that the more real the set looks, the more the characters contrast with it with being so crazy and silly mm -hmm. and it makes it more fun to watch, which it does. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, remember the part, the graffiti scene? Yeah. Where, yeah, he's, where the guard comes over and instead of telling him to stop, he just fixes all of his, his grammar. spelling and grammar for him. And then he's like, you have to write this on all these walls by morning. A hundred times. And then he does. Well, they actually had to make, like, prop walls and put them up, like, push them against the building because because it was an actual sacred building. <laughs> and they couldn't paint on it. 
obviously. Um, so they had to make a bunch of fake walls and just push them up against the building. And they accidentally got a black smudge on, like, one of the walls. So they had to go oh, back God. to set undercover one night and painted the, the stone's original color. But they kept that's, that a secret for a long time. That's really scary. Yeah. And then when the movie came out, it was a mess. It was a mess? Well, I mean, a lot of people found it offensive. Oh. Um, so 39 local authorities in the United Kingdom either imposed an outright ban of the film or they put an X rating on it so that no one under the age of 18 could go see it. Whoa. It was yeah. that it was hated that much or like Yeah. People found it really offensive at the time. Well, that makes me well, question like, is religious it just people did. Yeah, I mean obviously it's parody and comedy but what do you think is well maybe we shouldn't discuss our opinions on it in this podcast. I don't know. I I'm <laughs> I'm not religious. Neither am I. So um <laughs> and I yeah. and I'm not that educated about the time that it takes place in because I'm not religious. So Anyway, and then the part where um, Brian escapes on the spaceship. Mm -hmm. He falls off the the unfinished staircase and then gets picked up by a UFO. Yes. Yeah. They were like, well, he's not going to get out of there in time. So what are we going to do? And they were like, for an impossible situation, we're going to give him an impossible solution. So they gave him... A spaceship to fly away on for five seconds, but then he immediately lands down, and they keep running after him right after again. So, well, it, it like gets in a space battle, and then crash lands in the same location where he was on Earth, which is yes. crazy. And then, which is crazy <laughs> yeah. that that could happen. <laughs> crazy how that happened. Yeah. Anywhere else in the world, no, he landed right back where he was. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Those are all my fun facts on the film. Yeah. Um, this is definitely my favorite of the three. I think so, too. There's just a lot of great comedy in this one. It was kind of slow in, like, the beginning of Act 2. Mm-hmm. I kind of, like, dozed off a little bit because I was like, I didn't have... Like, nothing that funny was happening. And I was also just, like, a little confused. I mean, I know that basically Life of Brian is, like, a guy who had the same life as Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he's like a common man. But he's but he's not Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, like the disciples um, came to his his birth. Yes. And they're like, oh, no, just kidding. You're not the one. And they walk mm. down the street, and Jesus is right there. It's a little shiny. This film has got some really good bits in it, like the haggling bit. Oh. It's a good bit. Totally. I just said oh and I didn't have anything else. Oh, oh yes, yeah. Yes, yes. yeah. That's a great bit. That's all I can say about it. Anyway, my favorite bits in the film are probably the haggling bit. And then also, um What about the one where I had the other one in my head. Is the other head. one when um all of the troops march into his home to find that was to look it. That for was it. Yes. all of the hiding people. And they all march in and then they come out and then and they're like, there's nothing in there. It's like, where did they look then? The Judean people's So front. many people. And then they go in again and then all they find is a, uh, a spoon. A spoon. He goes, good work. <laughs> it's so you funny. Found the spoon. And then when they're all going in, they march for like 30 seconds. Or it feels like 30 seconds. Definitely not there. But it's very funny. Um... I love how Brian's just like out on the 
the balcony and it breaks and he lands on that guy. And then he falls into the pot and they all clap because mm-hmm. they think he's done. Oh, it's so funny. And then, and then the guy that he that was laying there also like asks if he can have the gourd. And he's like, oh yeah, sure, here, take it. And he's like, what? Don't you want to haggle for Don't it? Don't you want to haggle for it? <laughs> it's so funny. It's really good. It's really good. It's a good movie. What? Biggest. Dickus. That was probably the least funny joke. It's the least funny because everyone has made that joke outside of the movie all the time. That was probably the least funny part of the film to me. Was the, the le- biggest, diggest, biggest, dickest part. Just because I'm... It went on for too long. It went on for I'm too sorry, long. I'm offended. It, it would definitely be funny in 1979. Because, like, who was making dick jokes in film back I then? I don't know. Now it's no like, well, probably someone. I just haven't. <laughs> no one was making dick seen jokes. An extreme amount of films from that time, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's a very normal thing in films today. So whenever yeah. like there's a dick joke in any movie, I'm kind of like, I've heard it. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah, the other part that I didn't find very funny was just um, when Eric Idle played the stuttering guy. Oh yeah. Alongside the fake deaf guy. And then it's 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 not funny. And then they and then as soon as that one guy leaves, and then they start start talking like they just have. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was good. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. The fact that they were just faking it the whole time, they just went back to talking to each other. <laughs> um, but the entire time they were doing it, I was just like, ah, this bit is going on too long. There were just a like, few like bits that just went on way too long. Yeah, that happens. Quite often, well, not quite often, but it, it does tend to happen in these films where, like, an originally funny bit will go on for way too long. And I've seen examples of it in all three of the films. I'm wondering how many characters each Monty Python member played in that film. I meant to look that up, but then I forgot. But, like, it's just crazy how much they must save on casting people. Yeah. Because, like... Every single person plays like at least eight, eight. characters yeah. in every film, male and female. Yeah, and like <laughs> they do a great job at it too. <laughs> now we'll move on to meaning of life. Meaning of life from nineteen eighty three. Right, nineteen eighty three. This movie has yeah. can consists of lots of skits. It's divided. Into, like, like four different parts, I think. Yeah. And within those, there's just um, smaller sub-skits within them that all kind of fit together, but... Yeah. um, It's... Of course, the movie title says what it's about, and each one of the skits is loosely related to the entire meaning. Um, So, the, the first part of it is, like, 15 minutes long, and it's called... The Crimson Permanent Assurance, and it's this huge, like, yeah. corporate office in, I think, the UK, and they were bought out by the very big corporation of America, and they just turn into, like, these pirates that just sail across the sea to the United States skyscrapers and just demolish all of them. Mm-hmm. And... 
it's ridiculous. It goes on for so long. And I was like, is this the movie? I thought it was, I I was like, in my head, I was like, this can't go on forever. It's, it, this seems like it's going to be a skit movie. It was 15 minutes. It was like a short before a movie. Well, it is. It's one of the yeah. shorts in the movie. Okay. You, you, I meant it's more like a Pixar short. short, like a short in front of a Pixar film. Well, Pixar's shorts are like seven minutes. Yeah. So, and that includes credits. This, on the other hand. Anyway, I'm trying to make a comparison here, not getting technical. It's not a good comparison. I guess you're right. Opening anyway, fish. It cut opens to the fish who are just... Swimming past each other saying hi to morning. each other. Oh, good morning. I thought that was just going to be the skit. I kind of wish it was. Just it cuts then. back to them every so often. Yeah. And they see their friend Howard like served at the uh, restaurant where Mr. Creosote... The most disgusting fat guy you could ever see. I hated that part of the film. I I only have very select few fun facts. That part is so yeah. gross. I have very few fun facts about this film, and it's about that scene. I, so, bleh. Mr. Crease, his vomit was compressed soup, and they made up to they made like nine nine hundred gallons worth of this. I don't like it. And. It is, Quentin Tarantino once claimed that while watching that scene, it was the only time he had ever been grossed out by any scene in any movie. Same, though. That, (laughs) Quentin Tarantino. Blood, it doesn't gross me out, but that, even barfing in general, like in a film, doesn't really gross me out that much when it's like once, and like you see it coming, but like that was so gross. And then you see them scooping it up afterwards, mm-hmm. cleaning up after. It's so disgusting. I hate it. And that was the only part of the movie that I'd seen before watching the film for the first time. Because this was both our first times watching it. Yeah, I had never seen it before until like a couple days ago. And that was the only part I'd seen of it. So I was expecting it to, to hate it. Because I thought that's all it was going to be. Luckily it wasn't. But I still only really liked the first half of the movie. The whole second half I was like, Would you like a thin mint wafer? So oh gross. no! Oh, Stop no. imitating parts from it. I hate it. I hate it. Ew. Oh yeah. The other part I hate about hated about the film was the part when they um take out that guy's organs. Oh, the live organ donor. That was so. That was disturbing. terrible. That was really dark. It wasn't even like it's a thing. It's like blood doesn't gross me out in a movie. It was like the principle of what they were doing. What is what terrified so me. So nonchalantly. Yeah, with no emotion. So in my head it was like, oh my god, these these men are sociopaths and they're just pulling out this innocent man's liver and And then he convinces the wife. Yeah, he's he like the wife to do the same thing. And that in the fridge, the fridge opens and they sing about how the universe song, how life is meaningless. And she's oh like, my Oh god, yeah. that was so weird. It is meaningless. Why don't go ahead right the, now? The song was fine. It was just the whole entire part where they just shove him down and start pulling everything. And I'm like, ah, I hate it. I hate it. Those two, that and the barfing, those parts deeply disturbed me. Yeah. I And made me like feel yeah. ill towards the film. The best part of the film was definitely the military sketch when... Um, Oh, Michael the... Palin is walking back and forth, and he's like, "We're gonna march up and down these streets." Does anyone have any objections? And, and then... someone's like, "Actually, I've been learning the piano." And he's like, "Learning the, the piano? piano? 
well, I bet you want to go practice then. Yeah. And he's like, I do. And he's like, well, go on then. Go and on then. He goes, and then he's like, I bet the, the rest of you would like to be going to the pictures. And they're like, like yeah, yeah. 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 And then he just marches by himself because everyone leaves. That one was one of the best ones Best ones in there. That's the one I remember the most. The rest I don't really um, remember. Well, I enjoyed the one about the, the, Catholic, the Catholic family. How he has 68 kids, and he, or 63 kids. And because it's every because sperm is sacred. Every sperm is sacred, and they can't use contraceptives, and that's the entire point of the film. Because God will be irate. Yeah. God will be irate. Yes. Yes. That's the line I'm referencing very good. <laughs> um, and their Protestant neighbors across the way saying contraception is actually great and they can have sex anytime they want. And then his wife is like, but we never have sex. And he's like, oh, yes, we do. What are you talking about? And then, yeah. Yeah. It's that just some for a really long time. religious commentary there. The best part of the film, well, the best, most ahead of its time part of the film is when that woman gives birth and then she's immediately like, boy or girl? And then the doctor's like, don't you think it's a little bit too early for you to be putting rules yeah. <laughs> in your baby's life? God, that got me. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's ahead of its time. Oh, yeah, that scene is funny anyway because like, they have all of this super elaborate equipment and it's all just for show because they have their administrator coming in Yeah. to like be impressed that they have all of this nice tech for delivering babies and mm-hmm. they just do like a really whatever job with delivering the baby. <laughs> oh, God, the scene where... They're teaching about sex education, and then the teacher just has sex on this, like on his bed with his Before wife. Before we stampede to the clitoris, that was so, that was so weird. The beginning of that scene <laughs> was funny, and then. But what about the clitoris? And then the and then the bed came in, and then I was like, oh no, he's gonna have sex with his wife in front of all of his students. This is weird. Like I get why it would be funny. Or not... I found it hilarious. Not, like, funny in real hysterical. life. I'm saying I get why people would find it funny. I was just like, oh, God, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... Remember the scene? There's a lot of naked women in this in this film. Uh, where Graham Chapman is running away from all these girls who were topless with the helmets on. The colorful helmets on. Uh-huh. He was a criminal convicted of making sex- sexist remarks in a film. And is killed in a manner of his choosing. Wait, what? So that was the sketch. Like, he was a convicted... He was a criminal convicted of making sexist remarks in a film. And is killed in a manner of his own choosing. So he chose to get ran off a cliff by a bunch of naked girls. Oh. And he lands right in his casket. That part looked painful. Like, for they have, the girls. Yeah, they have no support. They've no bra, like boob support. That was. They're just going up and down, creating pain. <laughs> it looked really painful to me. <laughs> That's the first thing, you, like you said when you saw them, like ow. I was like ow. <laughs> and it was in slow motion. And I was like, I feel so bad for them. It's so painful. They must be so sore. To this day, you know, thirty-eight years later, I bet they're still sore, or dead. They either sore boobs or dead boobs. Uh, <laughs> one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, what was even like even funnier or ironic is that Chapman is, is openly gay, was openly gay. Oh, haha. Haha. But his character probably wasn't, but he is or was. 
So he was getting nothing out of that. Yeah, he was like, all these boobs chasing me. He was running after it for, he was running away from, from it for a reason. I really enjoyed the um, scene where they go into this medieval dungeon. And it's like a restaurant. It's this couple on a vacation. And they get handed the menu and it's just conversation topics. And it's not actually anything to eat. Right. He was like, oh, I'll have the uh, meaning of life. And that was, like, not stimulating whatsoever, like, of a conversation. Uh-huh. So then that's how they segued into live organ transplants. Because the next topic was, oh, how about live organ transplants? And then it just cut to the next sketch about the guy getting stabbed and his liver taken out. Gross. Sorry. I think the last sketch that uh, I enjoyed was... um. With the one with the Grim Reaper. How he shows up to that dinner party. Right. Yeah. And then so, they welcome him in, yeah. him in as a guest. The, he like shows up and he's obviously the Grim Reaper. And he has a huge scythe. And the guy answering the door is like, Oh, are you here for the, are you here for the hedge? <laughs> is it for the hedge? Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's here to take your life. So true. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. And I guess with your point about... The, the last sequence about um, using women as objects in the film, what I read was that all of them were actually going to be uh, topless, according to the DVD commentary. They were all going to be topless instead of having the, the plastic fake boobs covering them um, in that Christmas kind of Las Vegas parody show. Mm-hmm. Um but why they didn't do that is because one of them refused because she thought her breasts were too small. So they were supposed to have the real boobs sticking out of it? Yeah. They're just supposed to be topless. It's like a parody of a Vegas show. I've never been to Vegas. Neither have I. <laughs> All the women in this movie show their boobs and the only one that doesn't talks about her period in a... In a way to, like, get out of an uncomfortable situation, but still. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Wasn't my favorite. Didn't really... Eh. Um, I mean, it is Monty Python, and I found it extremely funny at times, but also just kind of No, it definitely had out. its funny moments. Um, there were just more moments that I didn't enjoy than I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's our least favorite. Oops. Why are we ending it on our least favorite? I don't know. I guess we did it in the order that they came out, so it makes yeah. sense. Holy Grail, Life of Brian, Meaning of Life. Holy Grail, I'm Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> Always look Stop. <laughs> I'm just gonna sing the song. Oh, it's so hot in here. I'm it sweaty. It is really hot. It's really it's it's hot oh. in the room we're in. It's hot in it's here. It's hot in here. So take off all your clothes. Classic song. Yeah, I think we're just babbling at this point. We should wrap it up. That's crazy. This is our shortest episode yet. I think that's okay. So this is going to be our final episode of season one. Probably our finally final episode all together. Because we're done. 
We've had a good run. We feel like it's but hit we a, want to do other things. Yeah, like it's hit a natural ending point. And we've moved, so it's it's um new start, fresh start for new things, other things. But it's been really fun, and we'll both yeah. still be creating stuff. So we'll leave we'll leave all the podcasts up and the Instagram account up. I think. Because honestly, a lot of the trailers are just, we watch them all the time anyway. Because they're we had a lot fun. of fun creating them, and they're a lot shorter than these episodes. To listen so back true, to. They so, so true. So true. Imagine a these one minute promo like versus like times longer. On average, sixty times. An hour. True. Anyway, I, hope you all have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, thanks you know. Thanks for listening to th- us. Thanks for listening to us and for supporting us. Um, all of the above. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Learning experience for both of us. So You may see us again in a different format or two. I don't know. But for now. You will. You will. But for now. Catch you next time. Peace. Catch ya. Catch up. Catch up. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.